Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, November 27, 2016. The share ID for Friday, November 25th, is 9296. That's 9296. This morning, A Vision for You presents Resurrection Through the Twelve Steps. The OA 12 Steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to compulsively overeat and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. The 12 Steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process of spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. We are changed in the way we think, the way we feel, and especially in the way we behave. We submit to a simple process that is not easy, yet takes us to a place we've never been. We didn't even know it existed. The results are disproportionate to our efforts. The forward to the first edition says, we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Joining us this morning to share her remarkable story of transformation is Jen T., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Jen is dedicated to our 12-step way of life, and I'm delighted to welcome Jen to the line this morning. Good morning to you. Jen, star one to unmute. Jen, our speaker, star one to unmute, please. Let's just give Jen a moment if she's having some technical difficulties. Leah, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Welcome to you. <laughs> I had to call back in. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, my. That made me nervous. All right. Well, thank you. Good morning, visionaries. And thank you to Leah and Kim G for asking me to do this this morning. It is absolutely my privilege to be here. So I'm going to uh, talk about what it was like, what it's like now, what happened, uh, yeah, and what it's like now, yeah. All right, my name is Jen T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, bulimic, and anorexic. I am a very well-rounded compulsive overeater who was born in Los Angeles and raised in Sacramento. My mother left when I was five, which was really hard on me. She did come back in and out of my life, but she always came with a heavy hand and heavy words. My father's the one who raised me the most, and he always had full legal and physical custody. Both of them struggled with sex addiction. There were definitely signs I had problems with food when I was little. I remember doing things like drinking a six-pack of Diet Coke by the time I was five. 
I remember my father telling me that I couldn't have a treat unless I went to the store and ran to get it. And so I did. I was seven years old, and I ran to 7-Eleven in order to get a Slurpee. Uh, when I was older, a little bit older, at 11 and 12, as boys became important, and my mother's heavy hand was taking its toll, I started to notice that I couldn't stop eating. I would take the little money that I would earn for things, and I bought diet pills over the counter. And then I went to Weight Watchers and was really disappointed when I couldn't stay on their diet for half a day. By the time I was 13, I was tipping my scales at about 180 pounds. And I know that because my dad took me to Nutrisystems. And when I got on the scale, he laughed at me and said that I weighed more than him. By now, kids were making fun of me at school because of the weight that I gained. It was hard to go to school every day with thin friends and eat lunch at lunchtime. And I'm the only one who's eaten little Debbie's for lunch. I was overeating every day, and I didn't realize how much I was taking in. I went to the eighth grade, and I noticed a girl there that had lost a lot of weight over the summer. And when I asked her how she did it, she said she had made herself throw up. So I tried that, and although I was unsuccessful the first time or two, I realized that I was getting a complete sense of ease and comfort from that. And I kept trying and trying and trying, and I was exercising, and I started to lose weight. I also had a new boyfriend named Eric who I fell in love with. By the time I was in my sophomore year of high school, I was down plenty and binging and purging daily. Things were starting to change, though. I was getting really bad headaches, and I couldn't hear the teachers anymore. Sometimes I would lose my balance in the hallways and almost knock people over. I was raging. Um, at my, my boyfriend at the time, Eric, and my dad, too. I would steal food from the home ec class and throw it up in the bathroom. I was working out four times a day, and it seemed like although I couldn't hear a thing in school and I was failing, I really felt like I had figured things out with the bulimia, that I had a secret and everyone else was a fool. I had just planned for myself that I was going to do this every day for the rest of my life. But things were catching up for me a lot faster with my health, with the binging and purging, because it got up to almost eight times a day. I started losing clumps of my hair. My face was gray and puffy. My legs were weak, and I stopped going to school so I could be in the food all day while my father went to work. I was getting up to probably 12 to 14 times a day now. I was eating everything and anything. And while everyone was in high school having fun and getting an education, I had dropped out. Events I really wanted to be a part of, I was missing. The football games and the rallies, I just watched like an outsider looking in. Hang on, I need a drink of water. The depression for me was really enormous. I was finally taken to a hospital where I was told that if I didn't stop, I had maybe six months to live. The muscles in my throat were collapsing, and I had gained a lot of weight again. And I stayed in that hospital for 30 days, and they didn't know anything of binging and purging or how to treat an eating disorder, and they locked me up in a cement room every time I had a meal. And I was kept there for hours. I would scream, and I would cry, and the moment I went home, I binged and I purged. One good thing that came with that hospital, though, was the fact that at 15, I walked into my first OA meeting. And I didn't love OA right off the bat. A woman in particular that I met when I walked into the room commented on how heavy I was. And I was really mortified by this, and I left the meeting crying. 
But I went back because I had nowhere else to go. By then I was wearing my dad's sweatpants uh, because I was so ashamed of my body and depression was so bad. A girl in OA suggested I go to a hospital that specialized in eating disorders. And so I was sent to the Raider Institute by plane, which is in Placentia, California. It was there that I was introduced to more meetings. I met more friends. I was nicer to my boyfriend again. And by the end of two months, I had done my first, fourth, and fifth step and had some time from binging and purging. I really didn't think there was any point in going on with the rest of the steps. I felt good now the obsession had been removed. My dad always always had a lot of problems with women. They were in and out of my life constantly. And he decided to get married again, and I think I had had it, so I decided to run away from home. I had nowhere to go, but figured things would work themselves out. I had also had success in my life briefly making music, so I wanted to pursue that too. When I got to Los Angeles, I met a lot of fast friends there, and I found places to stay here and there. I used people and manipulated, and I got myself some cosmetic surgery from head to toe. The overeating and undereating was still a problem, but I was thinking that with the cosmetic surgery, it would make everything better. I would run late at night, too, down Hollywood Boulevard, which is not a safe place for a teenager, but the only place I had to run. One day, I got a phone call in the middle of the night that Eric had died. I was devastated and went back to Sacramento to attend the funeral, but I was really numb. I went back to L.A. and went right back to work. I binged and purged as soon as I got back. I remember thinking it was only the one time, and besides, I had had so much relief after that. But that started me back into this mood again. As I gained more and more friends and more jobs there, I met and hung out with lots of celebrities. I went to a lot of fancy clubs where we danced, and I was cutting the record I always wanted, and I thought I was doing better. But that wasn't to be the case. I met a man at a club one evening who said he had a studio, a recording studio, and he said I should meet his friend who ran it. She was great. She had everything I ever wanted for myself, and we became friends. She said I could move in with her while I was working on my music. But when I got there, I wasn't allowed to leave. I was told to live under a stairwell, and I was soon trafficked. One time I went by myself to another country for 10 days. It was one of the longest 10 days of my life. I would typically not tell this story. But in my last ninth step, I had to find a way to make an amends on this issue, being that it was also a huge resentment. I'm very blessed and grateful to a close friend who presented to me that an amends could be to give back to the charity of my choice, of which a part of me was mortified. I did not like those nonprofits that fought trafficking, and I didn't want to be a part of one. But when I knew I had to make an amends of some sort, I agreed and thought maybe I would volunteer to make some flyers or something. I did commit, though, that if it ever presented itself, I wouldn't leave it out of my story, hence to worry raise awareness for it, and also while I'm telling you the story right now. I also think it's worth mentioning that when all the other girls were smoking pot and doing drugs, I was not. I was binging and purging in the bathroom. They kept me there for one year, and then I was allowed to go. I really struggled to let go of that life, and I quickly got into an unhealthy relationship with a man who did drugs. 
He later became the father of my son, which I ultimately lost custody due to domestic violence and addictions to food and to drugs, but also whom I could tell you a whole other story about. He had asked me to smoke something, assuming it was pot and it had crack cocaine inside, and I was instantly addicted. And the best part was I thought nothing of food for the first time in my life. I lost weight fast, and I also had lost everything in my life, my home, my furniture, anything of value I had gotten back. I lost my life in that evening and what would be the next seven years. They were the worst years of my life, mostly losing custody of my son. Maybe a lot of you can't relate to being on drugs, but some of you can, and even though there were grave consequences to being strung out, I just couldn't go back to the binging and the purging. I OD'd a lot. I watched other people die around me. I was beaten and I was homeless for a lot, a lot of years. I was in nine rehabs. But every time I would get there, the abundance of food would overwhelm me. And I would always know that the bulimia was coming back. I would gain weight quickly and I would run away quickly. But on December 20th of 2003, I used for the last time. I was introduced to a 12-step program in which I had a glimpse of hope that maybe I would be okay. I'm still often surprised that even how bad it got for me, that there was actually a day that it all ended. And I thought for sure, honestly, I was going to die running from the food. It wasn't very long before I was gaining weight, though, from eating too much. And I had started purging and over-exercising again. In came new diets, Nutrisystem, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, more cosmetic surgery. I worked all jobs and all night. I was going to meetings in another fellowship, and I felt like a complete fake and phony. I binged and purged all day. I binged and purged to and from the meeting. And something I will tell you in case you don't know this, but my best friend used to be obese, and he often speaks about when he would mess in his pants. Well, so do bulimics. I know the pressure from vomiting would often cause me to do that, which created an even bigger crime scene than the wrappers and grease that were all over my living room. The vomit in my hair that would stick there on my cheek when I didn't realize I had gotten it all. I would look in my rearview mirror and notice that it was crusted on my face. I was hitting another bottom. I was struggling to go into work, and I hated that McDonald's didn't open until 6 a.m. I can't believe I didn't kill anybody. I wasn't even paying attention, and I was too busy tearing open wrappers, eating something with a spoon while trying to hold it in the other hand. I used to drive with my knee. And then I noticed all the peanut M&Ms roll from the front seat to the back seat and back again from the back seat to the front seat every time I'm pushing on the brakes. All day, every day, I drew those blinds and I sat there wanting to die. One time I had a convention to attend in Las Vegas. I had invested money to go and was supposed to make a lot of money on that trip. But by the time I flew into the hotel room, I was already trying to think of a way to get to the buffet, order room service. But I couldn't stop binging and purging, and I never even made it to the convention. I barely even remember what happened that weekend. But I remember being too shaky to get on the plane going home, and that I had to rent a car and so I could eat all the way back to Reno. I came home, and I found out I was pregnant. I had had relations with a guy not that long ago, but it was only twice, and he would have been the only one. I barely liked him, and when he found out, he didn't want anything to do with it. 
I cried and cried, and I realized I had come to the end of my line. I had a 22 in the closet of my home, and I went and got it. I sat on the floor of my home in the dark, and I looked at it for hours. I called my father and asked him to please come and get the gun because I was in trouble. I decided to bring this child into my life, but I knew I needed to do something and fast as I could not bring another human being into this life of binging and purging. I knew of a woman in Malibu, California that I heard took people through the steps in the big book of AA and that she could do it with anyone and whatever they suffered from. Well, I contacted her right away and I asked her to be my sponsor, but she said no, that she didn't have any room for me. But I was really desperate, so I called her every day until she finally said yes. She told me I had to take all her directions and that I couldn't date anyone for a year. Not that I had a bunch of chance of that, being that I was going to be pregnant, but I was offended. I thought it was rash. I almost had five years clean from drugs, and she said, you know, you know what, Jennifer, you don't have anything. And she was right, I didn't. I didn't even care anymore if I gained weight. I threw all the wrappers away. I got rid of my home that I couldn't pay for anymore anyway, and I even went to surrender my vehicle. I was so broken and lost, but I felt a lot of hope when my sponsor said she would take me through the big book. I had never done that before. Now, she was just an alcoholic, and she didn't know anything of eating disorders, but she did know about our beautiful big book, and that was all at the time that was required. We went to it with step one, and when we came to step two, I didn't know how to find God. I had heard about him, and I knew other people who knew him, and they were doing pretty good, but I was raised atheist. My father, who was later born uh, a born-again Christian, had changed a lot when he came into his faith. I had a lot of problems with it and felt he had become very discriminatory and judgmental. He would even say things like he just felt my son was better with him because I was not Christian. And my son stayed with him. These things really repelled me from the idea of God, and it was slow for me at first. I used to just start talking to something or someone. I wasn't even sure. Just saying hello as soon as I woke up in the morning to at least, you know, start a conversation of some kind in hopes for a response. I would start to have shifts where I felt different. If I had to drive into a gas station, I would talk to this God being so that I wouldn't buy anything inside. I often started binges at gas stations. I was lonely. I was pregnant and I was alone. And I didn't even have anyone to hold my hand. This was very hard for me. If I'm supposed to turn to God for everything, but he's not tangible, how is he going to treat my loneliness? But I spoke to him about it anyway, and I turned to him for help. And one evening as I laid there in bed, God came to me, and he put his hand on my belly, which was growing fast. I knew intimacy in that moment like I've never known it before. I've never forgot it as long as I live, because I didn't feel alone anymore. And I just started doing things different. I remember this one time I had to go to the DMV, and I didn't want to go. I knew the lines would be long, and I'd be waiting for hours. It came to me that maybe I didn't have to go. If I was supposed to rely upon God for everything, then why couldn't I discuss the DMV with him? And I did. And I felt knowing that he would go. Now, there's nowhere I wouldn't want to go with God, and there's nowhere I wouldn't go with him. So suddenly I felt happy in that moment. I was happy to go to the DMV 
And when people called me that day and asked me what I was doing, I said I was at the DMV with God. These kind of things came, came helped me to come to believe in God. I also ended up finding the very same faith as my father, which has left me with so much fellowship among me in a whole other area of my life that adds so much to my recovery. This catapulted me into step three, and then I started doing step four. And going back over my list of people I resented, I had 25 people. I did put the people down I resented as a child. I had this girl named Christy, for instance, in the second grade who always had the best dresses and shoes. I was a girl who never had a new outfit, and I resented that she had a mother who would do that. And although it seemed like a silly resentment to me, I realized that no resentment is silly, as it states in the big book, that they are the number one offender. The fear inventory was almost better to me than the resentment inventory. All the things I had done to try to manage my fears were ridiculous. And my sponsor had me do at least 50 fears. <laughs> this was a lot, but for me necessary. There was one fear I had about my father liking my stepmother, or no, my stepsister more than me. That's what it was, my stepsister. And I did so many things for him I wouldn't have otherwise done just so he'd like me more. And what I realized was that from the moment I opened my eyes to the moment I went to sleep, I was just trying to manage those fears. And it never worked. The fear was always still there. Then there was the sex inventory. I was surprised at this one. Although I saw how much damage I had created, I also thought a lot about um, the integrity that I felt I had in relationships, <laughs> which was very wrong. I was, uh, I was a liar. I was a, I was a downright liar. As a matter of fact, I lied about everything all the time. I was a taker. Then I did my sane and sound idea, and I went on to do my nightmare memories, and it was good that someone else was going to get to know all of my secrets, but at the time, I didn't think so. I wasted no time with it, though. I was in so much pain. I think it took me like a week to do the whole inventory. And I drove myself from Reno to Malibu, California, to do my fifth step with my sponsor, which took two days. For anyone who doesn't know that drive, it's nine hours. Now, fifth step doesn't, doesn't have to take two days, but it just did this time with me. After my, after my fifth step, I drove home. I remember feeling very present in that moment I was in. I don't remember the obsession being lifted like a lightning bolt, but I remember feeling a huge shift and feeling very present. I then did six and seven, started eight. I realized I was going to have to go on an immense tour because I had hurt so many people. My sponsor was very adamant, and it does stress the importance in the big book that we should make amends in person if we can. So I tried to do them all that way. I was very specific in my amends, too. I would say things like, I was wrong for calling you names. I was wrong for shutting you out. I was wrong for silently punishing you. I was wrong for being inappropriate with your family members. That's what some of my amends look like to different people. But I was overwhelmed at how easy life was becoming for me. It was different. I was happy. I was humbled. I had new relationships with my father and my son. I was free now. I was very pregnant and very free. I also met a girl in an OA meeting as well who had asked me to take her through the big book. So reading the book with her every day was a complete godsend. I went on to do steps 10 and did steps 11 every day. 
I'm big on devoting my first hour of the day to God. I feel like I only have two choices. Either I'm going to wake up to God or I'm going to wake up to me. I definitely don't want to wake up to self. <laughs> That's what I know. Step 12 started to take on a, a life of its own, and I work with sponsors regularly. And I would like to mention that my beautiful daughter Lola was born on August 31st of 2008 and was born to a recovered mother, one who was present and available. My life took on new meaning after I recovered. I had no idea that by having nothing would mean I'd have everything. I had a new career. I got licensed as an addiction specialist, which I loved very much. I was soon to have a new husband and beautiful stepdaughters. Marriage wasn't easy for me. I started having problems right off the bat. And when the pressure started to set in over years, so did my anorexia. I really struggled to eat. And even though I had no weight to lose, I was dropping. Everyone noticed and was concerned for my health. I personally didn't see how bad it was at the time, but it lasted years and it took a toll on my marriage. I remember when we went on our honeymoon, that I was too scared to go into a restaurant. So he had to eat his meals in a microwave in the hotel room. And I lived on air popcorn. About three years in, my sponsor decided not to sponsor me anymore. I was devastated, and I worked really hard to find someone who would sponsor me out of the big book, but I wasn't able to find anyone in our community. I ended up sponsoring myself and doing 10 steps on my own, too. I definitely, definitely don't recommend this as my recovery started to dwindle. And when my family had some major problems, the obsession to binge and purge returned. I remember thinking that because I had years of abstinence that I would never go back. But when the obsession comes back, I'm eating or I'm not eating. And I'm truly reminded that but for the grace of God in these 12 steps, I'm starving myself. I'm binging today or I'm purging. There's no two ways about it. And so it began with me a two and or no, it was a year, a little over a year. It was almost a year and a half, almost a year and a half. I was so upset. I knew I was in trouble. I would drop my daughter off at school and binge and purge all day. I tried everything again to stop, including having a friend come over and take my food out of the house. I would always go and get more. When my daughter got home, I was a mess. I was becoming a mess at work, too. I was later diagnosed with systemic lupus, which left me bedridden for over a year. I had to resign from my career, and my life started to spiral even more. I couldn't brush my own teeth or hair. I was in and out of the hospital constantly. I needed help for everything, and I was devastated, and I was desperate. I had made a friend at an OA meeting earlier, and she invited me to listen to A Vision for You. At first, I dismissed the information, but when I was bedridden and unable to go to face-to-face meetings, I started to listen in. So I listened in, day and night. I had sponsors. I had many of them. I was fired constantly. But one thing I can say is that it wasn't all for nothing. I never stopped listening. Even if I was eating, I was listening at the same time. It was getting harder and harder to do both, and my recovery was starting to win. I would get 20 days abstinent, and then 14 days, and then 16 days. It wasn't all for nothing. 
My recovery was gaining momentum. It was feeling more and more normal to be clean and in recovery. I was gifted with an amazing sponsor a few years ago who had finally given me an ultimatum. He said he wasn't going to let me die on his watch. I desperately didn't want to, but I knew that that alone wouldn't keep me from binging and purging. That time, things really did start to sink in, though, and I did have a lot of fear that I was going to lose him. I had another friend on the line who said she strongly felt that I needed to do the steps faster. She took me on and walked me through the most beautiful fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth steps. She knows who she is and is probably on the line right now. I am deeply indebted to her as I have been abstinent ever since. It has been almost two years since then. We went over things I had mentioned in the beginning. It was the first time I had dealt with the trafficking or that I was called so many times to make such huge amends. I've been free and walked through many challenges and setbacks. I continue to undergo treatments for my systemic lupus, but I'm happy to say I'm not bedridden anymore. I went through a divorce and was unsure of where me and Lola were going to go for about seven months. These are all extremely challenging things. I never thought I'd get divorced or be disabled. Life has not shown up as planned. But I'm happy and I'm free despite my circumstances. I'm a good mom with beautiful kids. Lola is a straight A student and won the Bible memorization in school. My son is currently deployed and serving our country. I love my life and I'll never be alone again. Over Years Anonymous is my home. If you're new on the line, it might be yours too, and I'd say welcome home to you. I do steps 10, 11, and 12 every single day, all day. I do sponsor people. I'm a big believer in doing the steps as fast as you can as we are up against a mental twist. I know for me, I kept running out of time. There's no reason the steps have to take long. There's no reason you can't do a chapter a day. Certainly you devoted that much time to your food. When I sponsor, I do ask that someone has been clean for 48 hours, and then we go over their food history, what it was like for them, and how their means and ways of controlling the food didn't work. It says on page 30 in the big book, we learned we had to concede to our innermost self that we were alcoholic. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people had to be smashed, and so it must be so. For step two, I look to see if anyone has any resentments against the higher power. On page 46 in the big book, it says, we found that as soon as we are able to lay aside prejudice, we commence to get results. Even though it was impossible for us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. A lot of times I have found that it's hard to understand why God hasn't done something in your life. Sometimes it can be confusing as to what is us and what is actually God. For instance, if you feel like God can't get you out of the food, I would encourage you to look at what the opposite is, that God can and will free you through the steps. I think it's easy to mistake who we are versus who God is. There is also this saying that says, don't worry, if the God idea kicks you out of the room, the food idea will kick you right back in. It says in page, uh, let's see, for the second step, big book on page 62 and part of 63, I'm going to read it. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God 
it didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer, being all-powerful. He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. And as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. These are the two preceding chapters that lead into the beautiful prayer, step three. Also, today, this story is about resurrection through the 12 steps. I've been resurrected in just about every way that there possibly could be a resurrection. I have truly been reborn. Leads me into step three. No, step four. When moving on to step four, I encourage sponsees to write like their hair is on fire. It can easily be broken up into quick sections. I say give reference. I say give everyone a resentment a number in their own page. You can easily do that to reference to everyone throughout the inventory. It's also good, I think, to go quickly as when you do an inventory, it resurrects a lot of feelings and memories and that is not comfortable when you have just put down the food. Step five, my second time around, was shown to me very different. It didn't have to be this long, drawn-out process, even over two days. My sweet friend listened for probably an hour or two while I told my inventory. She listened carefully and took notes so she could reference me back at the same, uh, reference me back at the end. It was just as effective, and she didn't miss a beat on any of it. So I do that the same way as well with my sponsees. We did steps six and seven, which were identified back in steps four and five and moved on to eight. Personally, I saw only half a dozen amends that need to be made. It's imperative, though, that some type of amends is made on every one. Step 10 is surprisingly stepped over a lot. It says on page 84 that we continue to watch for selfishness, self-seeking, dishonesty, and fear. So that means every day I'm watching for these things as they crop up. I have to. I don't want any new inventory, number one, and I definitely don't want those emotions bubbling up on me. This leads to not only a waste of time being helpful to someone else, but it puts me in great danger of compulsively eating. When doing a 10-step, I often see the selfishness as me not accepting life on life's terms. How are things not going my way? Why does this always make me angry? Where have I acted out due to this? Did I roll my eyes at someone? Did I snub them? Did I talk behind their back? What was my dishonesty? Did I blatantly lie? Or if not, where was I being delusional? Has someone always been a certain way and now I'm choking them out for it? Do I need to let up on the grip around their neck? Let them go? Fear typically asks, fear typically says I'm not worth it or this won't get better. It then gives me the application to ask God to remove them. It goes on to say that we discuss it with someone at once. So I'm 
never doing this step alone, and then to make amends quickly. We resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. I would then ask the sponsee to make an outreach call or be of service to someone immediately. Now, step 11 speaks of how we start our day in morning meditation. I've always felt this to be so personal of a step, as everyone's God and their relationship with God is different. Only you know what your morning meditation looks like. I know mine changes over time, and I welcome that change. Often asking other people what they do can be desirable if you're not sure. It also calls for an evening mini-inventory, if you will. Page 86 says we constructively review our day, in which I ask sponsors to send that to me in an email every night. Sometimes it's helpful to have someone else look over that in case you're missing something. I've always said that self can't reveal self to self. And so I've tried to live by that, trusting the people around me to help me. Step 12 is one of my favorite steps, and it gives me a peace and freedom daily that I would never otherwise have as spoken of in the book. I have a daughter, and I am disabled. Sometimes it's taxing on my health to be places or be on the phone for long periods of time. My daughter knows that mommy will be on the phone for hours every day doing 12-step work. This is not what she would like, I'm sure, but I can assure you she would not like the alternative even more. So I tell her when it's time and try to make sure to give her equal time as well. 12-step work is inconvenient at times and bothersome. I don't always want to take a call when I'm at Lola's Gymnastics or about to go somewhere, but I have to answer that phone when my sponsees call. It can be easy to fall behind on this. I know because I've done it, but I've made it more of a priority now than ever. It's always such a pleasure, honor, and privilege to watch people recover. This book book is powerful and it will take on a life of its own when you are going through it. Sometimes I feel the hand of God so strongly that it seems like the principles and words in the book are actually breathing. You know, my relationship with food today is so different. I love food. I love what it does to my body. I love that I go into a grocery store and the food doesn't drag me up and down the aisles by my hair. This is one of the greatest gifts that life and God in these 12 steps has ever given me. This is my story. I hope that it was, uh, I hope that it was okay. I am before the time, Leah, but I'm welcome to take questions. I just ask that any questions are not about food or food plants. I try to stay out of that. So um, I'm open for questions, Leah, if if there is any. Thank you so much, Jen, for sharing your extraordinary and miraculous story of recovery with all of us this morning. Thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself. Jen T's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. And yes, we will now transition to questions. You can pose a question for Jen by pressing star 1 to unmute and identify yourself, please. Mary Lee R. in Oregon. Mary Lee. Hold on. Anyone else? 
Julie M. Gladys L. Julie M. Gladys. Okay. Yehudis K. I didn't catch the last name. Yehudis K. Yehudis. Caroline S. Caroline. Lisa B. in South Carolina. Lisa B. All right. That's a good group. Let's get started with Mary Lee. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Good morning. What an amazing um, story, and thank you. Um, I also consider myself multiply blessed with um, outside food issues. And when... How do you um, help guide someone with those outside issues, you know, when they're recovering from food and then the outside issues uh, show up? Is that kind of clear? Sure. Mary Lee, thank you so much for asking that question, and good morning. Um, I think I hear you asking me what to do with someone who has the outside issues with food as well. Um, what I would, what I would do is, I would show them your program of recovery. I would be the biggest ambassador for this program as you could possibly be. Um, show them what you've done, and the greatest thing that you could probably do for that person is to recover, recover, recover. I hope that answers your question. Thank you. Thanks, Mary Lee. Thank you, Mary. Good question. Julie, you'll need to press star one to unmute. Julie M. Julie, star one to unmute, please. Hi, this is Julie. Can you hear me now? Yes, go right ahead. Jen, thank you so much for your share. Um, I am wondering if you'd be willing to share with us your first hour of the day. You said you spend the first hour with God and that it has you, you welcome change in that hour, and I would just love to know more what you do to connect. Thanks. Oh, thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for asking that question. Yeah, sometimes it can change. Um, typically what I do, well, I have two things I do. One is I have a book of my faith that I read. I try to meditate in that and get really into that so I can dwell there, uh, which isn't always easy, but, um, it's honestly, it's the best quiet time that I have. And then the other thing I like to do is I like to listen to praise music or, um, the St. Francis prayer is a really good prayer. I do find that it changes. If I start to feel like I'm not connecting as much with God in one of the ways I'm doing it, um, then I might call someone else and say, what are you doing lately? What have you been doing? And get some suggestions from them. But my staple go-tos are listening to worship music, getting really quiet while I'm listening to my music, or reading mm, the word that I read every single morning, which isn't for everyone. I get that. Um, but it is for me, or maybe a spiritual book of some kind um, to get quiet. I do take a long time to dwell in prayer as well, just to maybe give thanks more than anything. So that's usually it. But I do have 
there's times where I've had shifts and feeling not as connected with one way other than the other. And so I've changed it up. Thank you so much, Julie. Yes, thank you, Julie. Gladys, your turn. Star one to unmute, Gladys. Hello? Yes, go ahead, Gladys. Yes, I'm sorry. I was on music. Uh, what's the speaker name again? Is it Jen? This is Jen T., yes. Yes. Hi, oh, Gladys. Thank you. Hi, this is Gladys, uh, composer over here. Thank you so much for your lead. I just, wow, just say what it, what's from the heart reached the heart, and you definitely reached my heart this morning. Um, and... Uh, Just a minute. Well, my question is, is that, um, you know, I identified with so much that you said, you know, except for the, the bulimic, bulimic anorexis part. I always wanted to keep the stuff in and wanted more of it. Um, but it's just your your story alone, you know, it just kind of reminded me of my, the part I identified with is, like having so many difficulties in my life at such a young age, you know, uh, not so much with my mother leaving, but my father did leave and just was a lot of difficulties. And uh, I just kind of wonder how did you, um, like, deal with that and having that relationship with God and 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 go through with recovery and not feel that, like, why me, why me syndrome, you know, because even like now I'm in step, on step three with the uh, Vision for You group sponsor, but I still feel that, like, um, that part of, like, God, why me, why me, you know, and are you going to, you know, would this really, really be there for me now? Right. I think I understand your question, Gladys, and that is a really powerful question. I feel like the question is, how do you, how do you deal with all that trauma and not take it into the new life um, because of the enormity of what it was in the old life? Okay, so what happened for me personally is, kind of goes with the story of transformation. I didn't expect that I would ever get relief from the past. I didn't expect that. That was just another gift that came when I got into the steps. Um, The steps really relieved me of that. It was when I had to clearly do, see, steps one through six was who I used to be, um, and then six through 12 is who I am in the new life, trying not to reference to the old one. I really feel like I don't have, because of the 12 steps and what the amends did and, and the inventory and step five and purging it to somebody else, everything was removed. Like if we can petition to God with the resentments and the fears and the sex inventory, it was just removed from me. Now the circumstances will never change. 
but the but the feelings and emotions were. It's like I can talk about them like they happened to somebody else. That's the only reason I can tell them in my story today without the emotions bubbling up to the surface. I don't have any. The 12 steps gave me complete neutrality around all of that. I did not expect for that to happen, but it's, it's a lot easier for me to tell my story now because I don't, nothing comes up for me regarding them. I don't, I'm not going to walk off. I'm not going to get off this line today and have a pressure or feel like, you know, I resurrected a lot or anything like that. I just get neutrality around it. And you will too, Gladys, you will too. These 12 steps are powerful in ways that we don't even know, that we can't even imagine. And if it can happen for me, it can happen for you too. Thank you very much, Gladys, for your question. Yohudis. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, hi, Jen. Thank you so much for your share. It was so powerful. Um, hey, good morning. I'm just... Good morning. Um, I'm just wondering, I'm going through the steps now with a sponsor. Um, first time, line by line. I'm still more towards the beginning. Um, and it's like as if you've done that, like you went through the steps and, and you, you did everything and then and then you fall back in to the anorexia or whatever it was. Um, how can I just like have that happen to me? Like I'll, I'll do everything and then I'll just fall back in. How can I make sure that I, I do this and I do this right. 10, 11, and 12. 10, 11, and 12 was exactly what what got me in trouble. I wasn't doing daily 10, 11, and 12. I really stopped doing 10. So even though I was kind of doing 11 and 12, um, I had stopped doing 10. And so the feelings were bubbling up again. Uh, the emotions were bubbling up. And it was getting increasingly more uncomfortable to be living in the life I was in. I wasn't doing things from a spiritual way of life. I started to get back into self. So I would just encourage you to really focus, if you've already had spiritual awakening through the steps, to really make sure that you're doing steps 10, 11, and 12 every single day. Every day. Like, I don't see that there's much reason to not do them at all. They should be, they should be priority. They should be priority units. I hope that helps. <laughs> Thank you very much, Yehudis. Caroline S., your turn. Star one to unmute. Okay. That, thank you. <laughs> this is Caroline S. Um, Hi, good morning. So hey, good morning. Thank you so much for your share. Um, I have a somewhat similar question. It has more to do with like your history and I, and you may have already explained this, but when you, you said that you would go for certain periods of time with abstinence and um, like it was getting stronger and stronger and I'm experiencing that myself um, when I, but I'm still kind of, I have these breaks in my abstinence and getting super frustrated with it. (laughs) Um, But I know that like I've been working the steps with a sponsor and um, it's definitely like I can see it changing my life for sure. Um, and I want to help others. Like I'm at that place and I know I'm, I am helping others, but um, I still feel like I, you know, I can't transmit what I haven't got. And I'm wondering like, were you working with steps during that, those to- that time? Um, and what kind of ultimately changed for you or like where, where did you see 
like when did you start working with sponsors or like where where did you see that you kind of stopped having those little gaps in between? Is it Caroline or Carolyn? It doesn't matter. It's both. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Go okay. for it. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great question, and that's why I mentioned it when I was sharing was about the fact of how frustrating it was, and I kept feeling like how come everyone else gets it and I don't. And, um, yes, I was working the steps during that time. I wasn't getting very far because I was going so slow. I was going very slow. I was like, like I'd be 20 days in and just starting step four. I would be 16 days in and had just started over and I'm only in three. So I wasn't getting through them very fast. It was just taking a really long time and being that we have an allergy to the body mental twist of the mind. Um, I just kept going back. I I would run out of time is what would happen. I would just boil up and then have to go back. So I would never get very far in the steps, which is, which is why I mentioned it. It's so, it was so frustrating and I just felt like I wasn't going to get it. I felt like I had gained some momentum in the recovery. Like you felt I had things to offer, but hadn't crossed the line to where I could actually do a, you know, step 12 anymore. Um, so I completely relate to that. Um, but what ultimately happened, which was so helpful, was my dear friend that I had spoke of mentioned to me that maybe I wasn't getting through them fast enough. And if I could get them through them fast enough, um, maybe that would help. So that's why I started writing like my hair's on fire. It was like, okay, well, we know steps one, two, and three. I've done those at least 20 times. I've had to go back to those. So I was getting really clear on steps one, two, and three, and then we got into the inventory. So by the time, by the time that I had done my fifth step this last time, um, a couple of years ago, it just sunk in because we had done them quicker, and then we did five, six, seven, started eight. I got right to nine, um, and then ten, eleven, and twelve. So it was like super fast, which is why I say now that when I sponsor I do the same thing with sponsees because that's all I know that works I don't know I just don't know anything else. it's fine people sponsor in a lot of different ways I only know what worked for me and I was a hanger on her like I just felt like I was always hanging on for dear life and I wanted it really bad and got frustrated when I would go back so that's what that's what ultimately ended up working I, I hope they answer it's a great question Carolyn and I thank you for answering that you it's going to be good you're going to get this don't you dare stop don't you stop Thanks, Caroline. Lisa B. Good morning. This is Lisa B. Thank you, Jen, for your very, very powerful message. It really spoke to me, uh, the bigness, the bigness that's available to all of us from these steps and what can happen. It just really, really spoke to me. Thank you so much for sharing Mm -hmm. everything that you did. you, You mentioned, oh, thank you. You mentioned something that really spoke to me about fear. Uh, when you were talking about taking or giving a 10th step, and I really would love that to be clarified. Um, It's something that I struggle with, and I want to get as much as I can from my 10th steps and help sponsees when I'm taking their fifth steps and when I'm taking 10th steps from other people. And if you could maybe try and remember what you said and go into it a little bit more. (laughs) Something about fear is... uh, that um, feeling not worthy of going forward or something. What was it that you said? I'm trying to remember now, but um, fear, 
in a 10-step or in a 4-step are pretty much the same. Um, sometimes it looks like the fear can be that the situation isn't going to get any better. Or the fear can be a lot of times I'm not worth being like respected or I'm not worth being listened to. I'm not worth it. Does that help at all? Yes, that's exactly what it was. So how have you found peace or healing or reconciliation or when you're doing your 10 step and that is there for you? Like if I'm not worthy of having this done, what do you do? Do you just give that to your higher power? How do you do it? Yeah, I mean, I look at the 10 step as a petition, you know, as a petition. I don't have the ability to remove the resentment. I don't have the ability to remove the fear. So I just look at it like, it, I, the, although the application seems a little silly and redundant at times, especially if I've got so many at once, which I can have two or three or whatever, not typically, but it could happen. I, I look at it just like a petition to God to be removed. The same way that I petition to God in ways there were applications to petition God to have the obsession removed. It's the same thing with my resentment and my fear. There's a direct application that says in the 10th step that we um, ask God at once to remove these and to direct our attention to who it is he'd have us to be. So I would just say, God, please help me to remove my selfishness, my anger, my dishonesties, and my fears, and direct my attention to who it is you'd have me to be. Amen. Usually I will ask my sponsor and or sponsee to pray, pray together. Sometimes there's power in prayer, which can be fun if someone, the other person's privy to that, they're, they're open for that. And then um, it says that we look to see if we did any damage. Did we do any damage in the resentment or in the fear? Did we snub somebody? Did we call someone a name? And then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code, which means we have to be of service in that moment to get out of ourselves to be of service, to make an outreach phone call or something like that. I I think that was such a great question, Lisa, and I really appreciate you asking it. Thank you. I hope that helped. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa, for the question. Who else has a question this morning for Jen? Star one, R. Amy E. Cheryl A. Tara K. I have Tina R., is that correct? Amy E. Gina. Gina, thank you for the correction. Gina R., Amy E., Cheryl R., Tara K., who did I miss? Amanda R. Is it Elisa? R. Amanda R., and I think I heard a Stacy somebody. (laughs) Thanks, Amanda. Is there a Stacy? Yes, ma'am. Great. Okay. Thanks for everybody's help there. Okay. Let's start with Gina R., please. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for your service, Jen. Wow. I am just, um, I am fairly new into this, and um, I'm happy to say I do, I have turned the six-month corner on the food abstinence. Yes, yay. <laughs> and, um, um, and I actually have a gazillion questions for you, and um, I'm hoping you're going to be in L.A. for the OA birthday party. You bet I am. Woohoo! All right. You bet. But for, for this morning, um, 
I was wondering if you would be able to, and if not, I understand. And I know this is, um, it, it does stir um, some resentments in people, but I really would like to know how this step work moved you to um, the faith and belief system that you, uh, it sounds like you enjoy and is very much working for you right now. Gosh, Gina, uh, let's see. Well, you know what? I didn't plan on it. I did not plan on having that particular faith. It was what was, it presented itself to me. I talked in there about how, um, God, I felt the presence. I felt the presence of God come in as I had started to embark on perhaps having some kind of dialogue with something that was greater than me. Um, I eventually was answered, (laughs) which was good. But, um, that particular power is just the one that presented itself when he came to me and sat by my bedside and put his hand on my belly. That was the, the God that just presented itself. I didn't plan on being a part of that faith. I didn't, um, there was no preconceived notions that that was going to be the one that was just the one that presented itself. And so I pursued that. I pursued that. And I was, uh, people showed up in my life who were, instrumental in that faith as well who taught me a lot so I I don't know if that answers your question I hope it does Gina thanks Gina for the question Amy E good morning Jen good morning everybody thanks Leah good morning Amy how are you okay great great uh great qualification thank you so much and thank you for going uh being so open and honest about your path that really helps me and countless others. Um, I have a question about step 10 because sometimes I run into folks here at vision who do it differently or who seem to have like a, like a special turnaround column. And I'm always a little confused about that. You know, I know to list my resentments and to look at the five aspects of self that they, um, that they affect and then look at my part in it. And then, and then what, you know, and people do different things and they call it different things and they call it, you know, doing their lies or their turnarounds or something. And I always get a little lost and bewildered with that stuff. And when I encounter somebody who does, who, who, who does things differently, I, I don't know that I, you know, I feel like that I've missed out on, you know, can you tell me what you did and point me in the direction of the big book where I can find this like fifth column idea? Um, are you talking about the 10 step? Yes. 10 step, page 84, second paragraph. Mm-hmm. Um, is the only way that I know to do it. That's what it talks about in the big book. It. I'll just go on to read it. The paragraph, it says, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. So it goes on to say, and these were the applications, and... Amy, is continue mm-hmm. to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So you're going to identify what those are with somebody else. What is my selfishness? What is my dishonesty? What is my resentment and my fear? Like you usually are going to continue to watch for those things. When am I being, 
When did I get ahead of myself? Usually you know because it gets kind of painful. <laughs> when these crop up, we ask God to re- at once to remove them. We discuss them with somebody at once, immediately, and make amends quickly if we have harmed anyone. Then we resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So that's the way I do it. I don't know how other people do it. Um, I just know this is the only way that I know. I hope that helps. That was a great question. So it's not like you're doing another mini fourth step with the columns. And it is somewhat. Take- I don't. I don't see any columns. You could definitely do it over the phone fairly easy. Um, I could just, you know, ask you in resentment, like, where are you being selfish? You know, and sometimes people don't know that. But, like, typically it's because life isn't going how you want it to go. You had mm-hmm. an idea in your mind of how things were supposed to go. And when they don't go that way, then we, have our, we get our feathers ruffled or we get angry. Then it asks, what's the dishonesty? Well, what is the dishonesty? If there's no blatant dishonesty, a lot of times there's delusion. And so it's like, well, what's the delusion in the situation? What's the resentment? We usually identify that. What's the initial resentment? And what's the fear? The fear is, uh, I think we talked about it before, you know, um, Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. This isn't going to get better. Something like that. And when these crop up, we ask God to remove them at once. It doesn't really show any columns in here. So I don't use columns. I just discuss it with someone at once. I just use these applications that are here, um, but I don't. I don't use columns. That's really super helpful. Thank you so much. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you. Thanks, Amy E. Cheryl R. Did you say Tara? Cheryl R. Leah, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead, please. Okay, super. It's actually it's actually Cheryl A. Cheryl A. Thanks Apple. for the correction. Yeah. Hi, this is Cheryl A. Um, from Boston, Massachusetts. Hi, and Cheryl. Thank you. Hi there. Thank you so much for such an authentic and powerful share. Um, I really appreciated um, the service that you did this morning. Um, just building on your answer from what you were just um, saying, I'm, for the first time since I got into program in 1988, and starting to practice 1011 and not quite, well, 12 in some ways, but soon to sponsor. But I'm, I'm understanding more and more about what it means to practice these 1011 and 12, 1011 and 12, and I get what you're saying about yeah. that living in that space. Um, it's like the light bulb sort of is starting to go off. What I'm yeah. struggling with are, um, and, and so much of my issue is in manageability over years, that second part of the first step, but I'm learning how to live in a manageable life, but stuff comes up. I'm traveling, a resentment comes up, I'm waiting to catch a flight, my kids have an issue, somebody's got to go potty, stuff comes up. I have an appointment, I this, that, that, and then I, can't, I don't do the 10th step right away. Or... Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm like pushing towards getting into bed. So again, someone comes up with one of the kids and um, I'm, I'm like falling asleep doing my 11th step. I was just wondering how you deal with um, what you do to ensure uh, your 10th and 11th. And 
are they written, are they not, um, it says at once, but what happens when you can't do that at once, and um, just kind of wondering a little bit how you manage life when it comes up and it's um, obstacle to doing an immediate 10th or regular 11th. Right. Well, we're only human, right? So we can only do the best that we can. Um, and I know that's true for me. If I'm right in the middle of something and I, someone upset me or something and yet I still have another six hours with them, um, sometimes what I'll do is I'll excuse myself to go do it, like to the bathroom, to go do my 10 steps. Um, that's very helpful. A lot of times I feel like if I don't, I'm not going to be of service. I won't be of maximum service about whatever I'm doing at the time if I don't get it cleared up. Um, the other thing that I do, which isn't necessarily discussing it with someone at once, but maybe I'd send my text, my sponsor a text message, but that would be a long shot. I think it's also really important to have a God squad of people that you know you could meet, you could reach at any given moment. So there's not that, I can't reach anybody right now, you know, that you have more than one person who'd be willing to be a part of your God squad to do 10 steps with you if you need someone right away. Um, but other than that, that's about the best I can say is we're all just human. We're all just doing the best you can. I am sure you are too. And to do it as quickly as you can, once you can. Thank you, Cheryl A., for the question. Tara K., please. Thank you for letting me ask, ask a question um, and for your wonderful share. Um, Thanks, Tara. Um, I uh, also have been taking people through the steps as fast as you know it's possible to do it hopefully effectively and I wondered if you would comment um, some on how you manage to get enough enough information it seems like there's always something that this didn't get you know like oh how did you know why why didn't I include that or do you keep a notebook of just all the points that you need to cover, or do you just, just practice, practice, practice? <laughs> Thank you, Tara, for the question. I don't know. Sometimes it's just me. I'm having a hard time understanding the exact question, though. Um, is it is – just, do you just need me to, to have it be closer? Yeah, closer yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. It was on no, speaker. no, 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 no. It's me. I didn't, I don't get it, but go ahead. Okay, so when you're going through the steps, um, you know, there's certain things that you bring up for each each step so to make sure that, you know, they get the best understanding of what, you know, what they need to understand to Take who's the, who's they? Properly. Who's who's they? A protege. The oh, okay. No, you're okay, sponsoring. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay. All right. Keep going. <laughs> oh, so then, <laughs> like, how do you? <laughs> sorry about this. How okay. do you? You know, how do you make sure that you get across all the information that you, um, 
want to be sure that each each protege or or sponsee um, has during you know step by step. It just seems like when you do it slowly, you can cover everything. When you do it quickly, it's more of a challenge. Okay. You know, yeah, you sure, it can be. Um, how do I make sure that I cover all the information? If I'm going quickly, I do an entire chapter a day. I mean, if I just do it out of the book, then it's clear and cut. I don't, I don't have to worry too much about it. Um, I haven't typically found anyone that says they need to go slower unless there's some time thing, which I usually say right off the bat that I'm, I'd like to do a chapter a day. And if that doesn't work in their schedule, I totally understand. It's just, that's what I like to do. And sometimes things come up in the schedule and they're like, can I do one every other day? And I'm like, sure, that's fine too. But um, I just like to make sure that we get to the applications and to the, the steps exactly as they're outlined through the book. That's usually um, what I have found has been helpful for making sure I covered all the ground is just doing the whole chapter. Or has they have, or maybe even on top of that, having them listen to the chapter as well on a special edition. That is extremely, extremely helpful. So listening to it twice usually helps to make sure that um, all the information is getting transmitted. And if they have questions, they usually ask. But I hope that that helped a little bit. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tara. Amanda R., your turn. Hi, this is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater way out the other end of the country in Maine. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> Hi, Amanda. Hi. <laughs> so I have what I hope is, is not a silly question. I'm not sure. I'm trying to figure where I'm – I do not have personal experience with bulimia or anorexia. Is there – Anything that would be helpful for me to know or do differently? Or I don't know what if somebody with that problem asks me to sponsor them. I've, I'm, I'm kind of intimidated, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you if you know any recovered bulimics or anorexics, sometimes it's helpful to have them um, talk to other bulimics or anorexics who are recovered so that they could have that sense of, you know, fellowship there. But that doesn't make you unqualified by any means. That does not make you unqualified. The person who sponsored me was not a bulimic or an anorexic and was more than qualified to sponsor me because, again, it was it was the same thing. It was just going through the book around, around uh, you know, around the food. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress about not feeling like you have much to offer or feeling intimidated. You completely do. You just do the same thing that you would do with your other sponsees, and if you can, encourage them to get numbers from other bulimics or anorexics who are recovered, so that they can sense they can have that sense of fellowship there as well. And and then the most thing, the best thing that you can do for you always to be. Um, a good a good example for them is is your recovery. Your recovery is going to speak volumes to them. So, recover, recover, recover. I hope that helped. Great question. 
Thanks, Amanda R. Stacy. Good morning. This is Stacy K in Colorado. And you just answered my question, Jennifer. Thank you so much, and thank you for your share. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stacy. Thank you, Stacy K. That was easy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our final invitation for questions this morning. If you have a question for Jen, please star one to unmute and identify yourself. Toby. 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 W. Hello. This is Rachel from Israel. Rachel. Did you get Suji? I did. Suji. Rachel W. Thank you. Rachel W. Deborah M. Deborah M. Thank you. Anyone else? Going once, twice. Okay, I'll take that as a no. Let's start off with Suji. Good morning. Um, thanks, Jen, so much for the story. Um, my question is... Your phone might be muted. Oh. Suji, we hear you. Good morning. It says I'm unmuted. Suji, we do hear you. Oh, thank you. Someone yelled, you might be muted. Yep. Um, okay, thank you. Uh, my question is, I don't know how to get through a step except for six and seven, eight and nine. Uh, I don't know how to get through it in less than a week um, because I don't know how else to do it but read it. That's how I was sponsored. We pretty much read it and we took a week. Um, how do you do it in one sitting without... Obviously, you're not reading the whole material for step one. So how do you do it? Thank you. Thank you for asking that question, Sue, and good morning. Um, I have two ways I do it. One is I do read a chapter every day. So, yes, that actually happens. Um, That's what I committed to, sometimes twice a day. There's another chapter being written. There's another chapter being um, read. If there's a time zone difference, um, a lot of times I will have them listen to Harlan, who does special editions on every single chapter, just about. He breaks it down line for line, almost as we would in the book, so I ask them to read along while he does it if there's a huge time zone issue um, in our schedules. But other than that, we are reading we are reading a chapter a day. May I ask how long it takes you? Uh, about an hour, hour a day. An hour so you a day don't go into other things, you stick right to the book. No, we do. We break it down. There's, you know, lots of words, sentences, applications, next, and then, you know, each t- turn and twist of the, of the chapter, you know, takes you somewhere else. So it's very helpful, I think, to be guided through it versus reading it. If I read it, I can read it. I have another book that I read for my faith that I would never understand unless someone helped me with it. 
So it's just very helpful to have someone to go through notes with, making notes, talking about the paragraph, um, looking at its key points or things they're trying to bring home. And you never, it, it never gets old. And I find new things every time we read it. So, um, yeah, it takes about an hour to read the whole chapter. And then to, um, as we're going along, we talk about the applications that appear you know, or the prayers, the petitions to God, if you will. So, yeah, Sue, it's hard to read on your own. You know, sometimes it's helpful. No, I'm referring to with a sponsee. Yeah. Oh, okay, you reading it with a sponsee? Right. Got it. Okay, you're saying, like, you don't have the time? I mean, it takes more than an hour to read it and explain things for me. Yeah, 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 it is about an hour. I just have been so situated that I've had the um, I've had the privilege of being able to have that time to do with them. Um, but other than that, I've found I have found a good tool is listening to Harlan. Harlan elaborates mm-hmm. on everything, and he does do it line for line in the special editions. And he does do thank God every single chapter. He does do every chapter. So yes. sometimes they can sometimes they can listen to that in their own time, and that is that seems to suffice. That's that's a great idea. Thank you so much. Yeah, sure, Sue. Glad I can answer the question. Thank you, Sue. Toby W. Uh, Thank you. This is Toby W. Hi, Toby. Uh, Hi, Jennifer. Um, I want to ask a question in reference to an answer you gave to somebody else when they talked about... um, letting go of the past. Um, I've done the steps. I have let go of a great deal of the past. So I thought um, some somebody said something to me just the other day that brought me back to something that happened um, 45 years ago. And I went into an emotional binge of um, isolating, feeling sorry for myself, uh, remembering, not remembering. And I was shocked that that happened because I felt, as you said, you could talk about it without any emotion. And this was one element, or one element, I don't know if that's the right word, of my past that I guess I hadn't dealt with. Um, I guess, what is the question? The question is, how can can you deal with something that just comes up like that? And um, what is the best way of dealing with it? I was not happy with the way I dealt with it, that's for sure. Yeah, Toby, that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean we're not safe. We're only human, and things do crop up that will maybe trigger something, or you know, sometimes I'll have a flashback about something that I don't remember being covered in my inventory. But for me, the very first thing that happens is I talk with God, and then I call my sponsor. Because I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. I'm in trouble. First thing that has to happen for me is I call my sponsor, who 
thankfully knows me already. So I don't have to go into this long, drawn-out story about what happened. He already knows or, you know, she already knows that that my story enough to where it's not going to – I don't have to relive it. I can just say, this is what happened. This is what I'm going through. And then yeah. we can talk about it. We can talk about it and then initially – or, you know, do another petition to God around it to ask it to be removed. Now, Toby, I don't always have the shifts right away. Just because I petition God and I do some step work on it doesn't mean that that feeling's going away right away. Maybe it does, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe it hangs in there a little bit. But I know that just to trust the process and that it will. It will subside. All of a sudden, I'll be later on in my day and realize that it just doesn't, it's not holding the same weight with me that it was before. I hope that that, that I hope that that's helpful. Yes, unfortunately, I just went into real old behavior. Thank God I didn't get into the food, but it was just like getting into the food. Sure. Thank you very much, Toby W, for the question. Yeah, thanks, Toby. Rachel E, your turn. Hello. Yes, there hi. you are. Yeah, hi. I left it unmuted, and but it by itself turns off, uh, luckily. So, thank, hi, dear Leah. Thank you very much for bring, bringing Jane to us. Jane, awesome, awesome. You, you strengthened my belief more and more in the process. And, well, I, I have no words. Incredible, and I can't wait to get your number. And bother you. Where did you say you are? I'm are you in California? California. Yes. You were talking about the 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 hour difference. I don't mind putting up an alarm clock and getting up at two o'clock in the morning and talking to you. So I will just let you go now. And God bless you for all that you have done for me today. Oh, I thank. Thank you. Can't wait to hear from you too. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rachel. Rachel M. Star one to unmute Rachel M. Do you mean Rachel W.? I'm so sorry. Yes, Rachel W. No problem. (laughs) No problem. Good morning. Yeah, no problem. Good morning. Um, thank you for this meeting, and Jen, your that your share was just very powerful, and I thank you so much. Another, um, you know, we're all kindred spirits, and it's just here we go, <laughs> lighting up that fellowship. And you, right, there's just no words. Um, but I did want to ask you two things, and um, I love your solution of of referring sponsors to the special editions because I do that as well. It's, it's such a great resource. I do it for myself, and um, mm-hmm. I did have a question though because. I found that over the years I got stuck in the steps um, by going very slowly. And the way that I have my recovery today is because I was brought through them, not speed, quick, lightning fast, but like quicker. It had a pace to it. There was a pace to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. You know, I agree mm-hmm. that like it has to have momentum. But the big book does say, you know, to take that hour and pause and see if you left anything out and, and and other people, like, I, I've spoken to people who have paused, like, longer than that. And I just wanted to ask you 
about that pause, like how, how you gauge that pause, like to sitting quietly that you don't lose that momentum. And um, my second question is about your 11 step that do you find that at night, like I'm thinking that the 11 step, the answers to all those questions should just be no, because I've used my 10 step throughout the day. Like ideally (laughs) my 11 step should just be, you know, yes, I was resentful, but I'm not feeling resentful right now. Um, I just wanted to exactly question. Yeah. Okay, I just want to know your thoughts on both of those things. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's a really good question. Both of them are really great. Um, so I'm assuming that you're talking about the one hour that says that we make sure we covered everything after we do our four steps. Right. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It says an hour. I mean, I think it's quality versus quantity. Um, and I always feel like if things present itself later on, you can always go back and do do it, you know. It's like someone Absolutely. says, oh, one thing, one thing didn't present itself. It did now. Great. Let's do it. You know, like not a big thing. And then I agree with you. I've really noticed that as well. There really shouldn't be anything. If you've been doing 10 steps all day long and you have an 11 step at night, I think they're just trying to cover the base, like to remind you maybe even. It, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, for me, I know that most of my sponsees, when they email it to me, it says no, because I already know that they've done 10 steps. So I don't really know why it was written that way, but maybe just a reminder, like, do you have anything at the end of the day that you need to clean up? Let's review. Let's review. Did you do all your 10 steps? Because there could be that no. Come to think of it, I didn't. I, you know, sometimes I know for me, I don't even realize I'm resentful until later. I hope that helped. Thank you, Rachel W., and our final question for this morning comes from Deborah M. Just want to thank you. So yes, much. hi. Thank you so much for your wonderful, wonderful share, mm-hmm. Deborah M. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. Um, from Western New York. I have a question. I love listening to your honesty about the relapse that you had over the years, which is for me, I can go like six months and then have two or three, maybe one day mostly. Do you yeah. tell me how did you go back to all step one or step two or you know my I have a wonderful sponsor but basically is you know go to step six and I'm thinking okay what so anyways tell me how you did you start all over again I mean I oh yeah to, okay oh yeah it was starting all over again yep yep we did we had to there's no way it would have worked if we had went back if we had started back at anything else. And same with my sponsees. Even if they get a little bit of time and then go back, we go back to doctor's opinion. That's it. And I'm not going to lie. I had to go back to doctor's opinion a lot. <laughs> I had to come back. <laughs> I felt like if I read that story one more time, I was going to hurl. Not literally, but still. <laughs> so you do your four <laughs> steps, fifth step, and sixth step all over again, or just spots? Yes. Yes, I did. And thank God, yes. Yes, I did. I had more inventory to write, and I definitely had some amends to make. And as I talked about, there were some pretty deep issues that I had never dealt with that I thought didn't belong in my step work, and that could have been a big reason, you know. Well, there were things uh, that weren't covered. Well, thank you. That helps. You can just sense a lot of pride coming up in me. So but thank you so much, very, very much. Take care. Thanks, Deb. Yes, thank you, Deborah M., and thanks to everyone who posed questions this morning. 
And, of course, thank you so much, Jen, for offering yourself to us this morning with such a powerful share of your transformation. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. For giving testimony to what can happen as a result of implementing these 12 steps in your life. Thank you very much. We're going to close now from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.